This program contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. <laughs> I can put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. You maniacs! What is a man? When we are successful, we're doing it. We had a real chance at this. I'm Tim Curry. And uh, I'm Meatloaf. And a few years back, we did a little film called The Rocky Horror Picture Show. You might have heard of it. We, oh, were, we yeah. were unknowns when the film was made. Absolutely. And the movie went on to be the biggest cult fil film in history. People line up to see it a hundred times. They dress like the characters and throw things at the screen. The movie made millions of dollars. Yeah, but Tim and I, we didn't make a dime. Speak for yourself. Hey, man, like you got paid? That's why we're opening hey Tim and I mean, Meat's one-stop Rocky Horror Shop. <laughs> Listen here, all the Rocky Horror props you need under one roof. You say, you say that's right, you've already got a water pistol. Well, let me tell you. You don't have the official Rocky Horror Show water pistol. Absolutely. Endorsed by Tim Carioni, 2499. It has range and accuracy. But listen here, I'm not worried. You know why? Because, because I've got the official, that's right, the official Rocky Horror Show newspaper. You might expect to tweet, pay 20 bucks for this. But I'm going to tell you what. No, stop squirting me, sucker. But anyway, listen, we're going we're gonna to rip the prices in half right here in front of you. We're going to rip the prices in half, and you can get this paper for only 10 bucks. Go ahead, squirt me. A lot of you say, Tim, I want to go to the Rocky Horror Show. Absolutely. I've never been before. I know it. How will I know what to say? Well, your worries are over. Thanks to the official Rocky Horror guidebook. Show it to him, Timmy. Isn't it beautiful? Right it tells on. you what to say, when to say it, and you'll know when to say, damn it, Janet. Not meatloaf again tonight. Riff raff, show us your mother. Oh, yeah, mother. Even words we can't say on television, but you can shout them up with confidence when you've got the Rocky Horror Guidebook. That's right, and if you order now, I mean, I mean, if you order right now, that's now. I'm not talking about later, I mean now. I mean, you're going to win. That's right, you're going to get a free handful of rice. Rice! You That's might be saying, got. I've got all the props, but on Rocky Horror Night, you got to look right, and you will with official Rocky Horror outfits. Absolutely! And guys, you'll look your best in the only official Frankenfurter outfit endorsed by me, Tim Curry. Rice. When you step out in one of these snappy outfits, You'll be the toast of any late night screening. Did you say toast? <laughs> the official Rocky Horror toast. Only eight bucks a slice. Eight bucks. And at that price, you'll want to take home loaves and loaves. Loaves, loaves, loaves. That's exactly right. Buy it all under one roof at Tim and Meat's one-stop Rocky Horror Shop, Westchester, Syosset, Paramus Mall, and Boston Queen.
The Toast of the Late Night Streams. This is Behind the Schemes, episode 81 for January 24th, 2022. And I am Booberry Black Knight of the Mothman. And all the way from way the hell over here on the bereft coast, where I am brought to you by the official Behind the Schemes Moonshine. My name is Lavish. How you doing tonight, Lavish? Oh boy. Good as ever. How are you doing, my good friend Booberry? You know, uh, had a little bit of a technical to, uh, technical mount up for tonight, and I've resorted back to the old setup with just the roadcaster. And mm, uh, you classic, know, yeah, we're we're not <laughs> we're riding through familiar territory again, and uh, I'm just gonna pretend like none of that happened, and we're actually starting the show on time at nine thirty. That's what we're gonna pretend. <laughs> Well, we had a good time listening to some tunes, and we had people hanging out in the chat with us, and we thank everybody who who uh, hung out with us through our technical difficulties. Uh, you can hang out live in the chat, irc.zeronode.net, in our chat room at hashtag green room, and um, yeah, be part of, of the fun of live radio, I guess is what you'd call it. <laughs> come for the magic. Stay for the come. Well, we should go ahead and start this party off uh, with the tarot card for tonight. We've ended up with the Four of Cups upright. Didn't we get the Four of Cups here not too long ago? Mm, I don't remember us pulling it, but I know somebody in the chat pulled the Four of Cups today. Interesting. Mm, the Four of Cups, yes. I, I'm just thinking of it. I'm not looking at it, but isn't it about... Uh, like, uh, there's got three cups, and then there's a cup coming out of the, the clouds, and he's ignoring the three cups. I'm just going to look it up. Four of cups. Yeah. Yep, and uh, this card comes from the Line Strider Tarot, and it's a, uh, let's take a look at a closer look at this one. So it's a person sitting cross-legged on the ground with three cups kind of in the hazy mist behind them. Um, I am, oh, there's the fourth one. So there's uh there seems to be three intangible cups and then one cup base in reality from what I'm seeing on this card. Oh, it's usually the opposite. Usually the three cups are tangible and the, the, it's a young man sitting under a tree in contemplation. And then there is a, uh, an arm outstretched from the ether that is extending the fourth cup. And that cup is... I mean, you could say it's tangible or intangible. You could say it's it's a goal or it's a illusion or it's uh, some sort of meditative concept, even some thought process that you're going through. <laughs> you represent all kinds of things. Well, this one nails it. Uh, keywords: depression, uh, deprivation, rejection, introversion, moodiness, and lack of vision. Hmm. Jesus Christ. You know, it was stated in the chat earlier that Mercury is indeed in retrograde. <laughs> and I noticed, I don't know if you, if you, I mean, you probably heard the last no agenda show. Uh, was it 1419? Yeah, I think that was right. like the shortest show they've done in a long time. And they got yeah. mentioned by the Rolling Stone. By the Rolling Stone magazine. Yeah. There was an oh. article about uh, anti-vax ma- misinformation. Oh, and they were uh, referenced in that? Yep. Second billing to Joe Rogan as a conspiracy-adjacent podcast. Yeah. See, No Agenda is getting very mainstream these days. A lot of people listen to the show. 
But this was the, they got the least donations they've gotten in a long while. And they said mm-hmm. that. And they were like pretty pissed about it. And then they, the show was just really short. They just did like a nice, tight, like under three hour show, which they never do. And uh, it's just been, that's just been the vibe lately. I think um, everybody's just in a bad mood. And um, the stock market is even reflecting that. We'll mm. get into that a little later. Everybody seems pretty uh, grumpy, but not here on the late night uh, behind the schemes, <laughs> late night streams, because we're here to have a good time and get behind these these nasty little gremlins. Yep. Oh, look. Oh, no. Here comes a scheme now. I can see it in the distant. All right. We cleared that one. Got him. Got him, mate. Uh, so the four of cups, we'll just uh, blow through this real, real fast here. Uh, talks about interstates like depression, moodiness, and the tendency to escape from reality. Sometimes this card indicates we need to look inward and examine our thoughts and motives. But at the same time, it uh, it warns us of the price we must pay for being introverted. Mm. Mm. New invitations and opportunities are flowing to you. But for now, you're saying no. You're turning them away. Perhaps these prospects don't interest you, or your cup is full, or you have too much in your plate. You must use your discernment to decide on what is truly important to you. And don't be afraid to decline new projects that don't align with your path. <laughs> don't decline. Sign. Don't decline. Oh, so that Almost was our... Pay you a lot. Uh, that's our tarot card. If you want to check out the one that I drew tonight, it's the, uh, like I said, it comes from the line strider deck. It's posted up at the top of our show notes, uh, Zosa's corner.substack.com. That's Z O S O S corner.substack.com. And that's, uh, did that come through? Did you hear the lightning bolt? I heard it. Nice. Uh, well, we, um, did we just get boosted? We did just get boosted. Whoa. That's, that's uh, our, our first uh, vocal boost. It is. It is. And uh, that's the Final Fantasy three Bolt 2 magic spell during battles. <laughs> <laughs> and, Very appropriate uh, for a lightning node. Yes. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm down to change it. It's a little bit of an involved process, but with the help of, uh, cotton gin and servo and, uh, C dubs, we were able to get into the helipad and, and, uh, switch the sounds around inside of the raspy blitz. So Mm, not fancy. And, uh, we should go ahead. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue to thank our producers at the beginning of second half of show or second, second half of show. Um, Mm. But this is indeed a value-for-value production. It means we are entirely listener, or excuse me, producer-driven, and uh, that allows us to not have to worry about doing ad reads. That's right, and it also means that we don't have to worry about people telling us what we can or can't talk about, which is a really big part of having advertisers, and um, it's something that can't be avoided. Everybody from Joe Rogan to... Uh, CNN, they all have to kind of curtail what they say due to advertisers one way or another. Uh, but we don't have to do that. And we don't have listeners, we have producers. And uh, everybody who, who takes part in the show is a producer. Ooh, another boost. <laughs> yeah. That oh, one. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll hit through these real quick. Uh, we had two come in from Cotton Gin on Fountain. And um, 
They were for 2,222. We got two of those uh, from Cotton Gin. And uh, he says, boost, 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 boost. Oh, thank you, Cotton Boost, boost. Oh, my God. All my shit's all over the place. <laughs> Thanks for the boosting. Now I just got to figure out which channel the uh, actual um, boost is coming through. The uh, helipad sounds coming through. Um, I was hoping to, you know, be a little more on top of uh, <laughs> being excited about it, but now it's just going to scare the shit out of me every time. <laughs> yeah, we'll turn it down to 10. Yeah. Well, uh, like we said, value for value production and uh, you should give us a call at 612-263-7999. Boost me, That's bitch. Right. Isn't that, is there more to the clip? Yeah. Boost me, bitch. Mm. It's in retrograde, baby. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, y'all. <laughs> well, you can still give us a call at 612-263-7999. You can be producer in that way. And uh, we will play, you know, whatever you have to say on the air. And we're, we're very, uh, very much look forward to hearing from you. 612-263-7999. I should be able to do that first one here. Uh, so you guys were talking about uh, the homeless in New York uh, in the abandoned subway tunnels, and mm-hmm. I thought you just might want to know about a documentary called uh, Dark Days. It was uh, filmed in the 90s, released in 2000, I believe. And uh, uh, there's one more thing. Oh, God. That's scary, isn't it? Nice. <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> that uh, was so cool. <laughs> that was an orchestra of life going on there. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> um, nice. So a documentary called Dark Days. That sounds horrifying. Dark Days. Film in the 90s. So it just goes to show how long those guys have been down there. You got to check that out. It's going on the list. I like it, and uh, that that Actually, I'm probably gonna find that right away. That most recent boost was from Sir Spencer at four 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 four. Way to stick it to those scheming ass gremlins, boobsy. Yeah, thanks, Spency. I'm trying, thanks, Sir Spencer. Sorry, I don't think he likes being called Spency. I like calling him Spency. Sorry, uh, but thank you, sir. Nice. Uh, so you you ready to roll? We can uh, roll twenty d. Ready to roll. Yeah, 20D. Let's go for the Let's highest. See. All right, here we go. Ooh, it's so loud. Oh, damn. I didn't 18. Do. Damn. <laughs> I got a five. Oh. I've been rolling fire lately. Oh, yeah. Can't spell Spency with that penis. Thank you, Cotton Gin. <laughs> Thank you, Cotton Gin. <laughs> we appreciate you. Thank you for your courage. Uh, so, yeah. Do we post the notes already? Yeah, they're posted. Okay. Well, I suppose I'll, I'll kick it off. Uh, 
So what's going on out there? Well, it turns out that there's been uh, some pretty hectic uh, activity in the markets, as they say. Uh, I don't know. Have you do you do you care really about stock market, crypto market stuff? Uh, I only go as far as to listen to DH Unplugged. Hmm. Did you know that there's a big crash happening? Uh, not really. No. Yeah, I mean it's not a big crash. I would say it started on Friday. And it continued into today, just a big sell-off and a big, uh, a big uh, hit. Uh, the the S and P five hundred lost about a half year's worth of gains in about two days, Friday and Monday. So it's it's been pretty bad, and things uh, might continue to get uh, pretty rough. Uh, I've got a clip here uh, from a guy from Morgan Stanley who thinks everything is just great. Everything's just fine. Uh, play uh, that first clip. Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson joins us on the fast line. He is the firm's chief U.S. equity strategist and chief investment officer. Mike, always great to get your viewpoint. Thanks, Melissa. Great to be here. You know, I asked all the traders this question. I'll start it off with you. Uh, glass half full or glass half empty in terms of the action in today's market? Well, I can tell you this. I mean, this type of action is just not uh, comforting. I don't think anybody's going home feeling like they got this thing nailed, uh, even if they bought the lows. So, I mean, this volatility has just kind of settled down. and But it makes sense why we're seeing this type of price action. We do have this collision between, you know, tightening Fed and slowing growth. And as we wrote this week, uh, the reason we're doubling down on kind of the defensive side is because we think the, the slowing growth narrative is the one that's going to become more important. It's not a recession or anything like that. But, look, we, we do think there's going to be look. a payback in demand this year. We do think margins are a potential issue. We've been talking about this for months, it seems like. And we think the market is going to focus on this. So that does mm-hmm. lend itself to owning companies that have earnings, you know, stability, visibility, and achievability relative to expectations. But that's where the valuation comes in. And that's how we're set up. And, it's, and quite frankly, it's been working really well since, you know, mid-November. And we're going to stick with it because I don't see that dynamic changing just because we had a big sell-off and a rally today. So now is the time to buy is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, uh, basically what he said in, in typical, you know, economist yakety yak is things uh, are terrible, but actually they're not. The numbers are actually really nice. They're great. And we're going to keep doing what we're doing and everything's just going to fucking correct. And, you know, we're going to go through this little thing and then it'll bounce back. And that's, you know, that's generally the, the way that these things go. But it's always interesting to witness these sorts of dips that happen, uh, like the one that happened, of course, in March 2020, when COVID first hit the scene in a big way. Um, that was a big kind of correction that the market went under. Uh, and then, of course, the most famous one that's happened in my lifetime, in our lifetime, is the 08 housing crisis. And um, it took a couple of years to, to bounce back from that just at the very basic S&P level. I mean, it's realistically, we still haven't recovered from it, you know, but everything's taking a big hit. Um, They've been talking about raising interest rates. They've been talking about kind of doing things to, to counteract the massive amount of inflation that's been uh, coming up through the supply line issues and the supply chain shit and the, just whatever the fuck is going on. I mean, they've been, they, they keep calling it an asset bubble, which like with 08, uh, the asset, the main asset was the housing. 
you know, there were a lot of people that had a lot of house. You know, people would have three houses, but they couldn't afford one. You know, they have some shitty job, and they they'd get these insane loans, and they would play. They would pay these exorbitant interest rates. You know, and it just wasn't sustainable. It was sustainable for a little bit, and it was okay because everybody was doing it. But eventually, you know, the rot shows itself, and and there is a collapse when something. You know, it's kind of hard to tell what will instigate that that action. And with this, the asset could be, you know, anything. I mean, money itself is, <laughs> you know, just getting more and more worthless every year. And it's kind of hard to tell what's overvalued and what isn't. I mean, as far as, like, standard metrics that Warren Buffett or, or you know, the older guys like a Benjamin Graham would use with... PE ratios to buy stocks or to buy businesses or to operate with value investing, traditional value investing, that's basically thrown out the window because all of the numbers are jacked up so high. If you went by the old metric, you wouldn't buy anything because everything is overvalued. Everything, almost everything, is is kind of worthless. And um, and not worthless, but but is in dire straits of losing value. A tremendous amount of value. In a short amount of time. Uh, I'll, I'll hear this one more yakety yak from clip two, because he gets something interesting to say about it. We were just talking about sort of the, the vacuum of events, uh, you know, for the for the equity markets, aside from earnings, not obviously earnings is a huge event. But you're predicting a fall for the S&P 500 below 4000 in the next three to four weeks. So what do you think is a catalyst? Is it just getting the clear picture from corporate America that margins won't be as good as you say? I mean, what what do you think, you know, precipitates this? Yeah, I mean, part of it is I'm I'm hoping for that trade below 4000 because, look, my upside target, I mean, my base case is 4400 for year end. So. You know, if I think that's the case and I, I need something below 4000 to get really constructive. So uh, I do think it will happen. I think it's a combination of the Fed continuing on this course. They're doing their job. They're not going to back off because the market sold off a bit here. And the data really hasn't been soft enough for them to, to stop the tightening process. That's going to go forward. And then the second thing is around growth. Now, part of that will be earnings and guidance around 22. This will be the first time companies have done that. And I think some of them will take this as an opportunity to maybe lower the bar a bit because, look, it's, it's a tough operating environment. And then the third thing is the macro data. Look, the macro data has softened up, whether it's retail sales, uh, PMIs, you know, the companies that are doing it's these doing surveys. Great. They're not feeling as constructive as last year. Once again, it's a difficult operating environment. So a lot it's of those metrics just have to come towards us and what we're predicting, and then we'll feel better that it's fully priced. There's a lot of soft talk in that. Yeah, there's a lot of fucking <laughs> shim-shammery. But the basic deal is the market has been on a really crazy climb. In particular, in the last two years, we've had double-digit returns, two years in a row. Typically, the S&P returns, on average, about 6%. Now, can you tell me what the S&P is? The S&P 500 is the main metric. It's not the main metric, but it's the most popular metric to measure um, the, the stalwarts of the American equities market. The biggest American companies, publicly traded American companies, are in the S&P 500. All the big ones that you've ever heard of, um, you know, I'll, I'll pull it up right now just to name a few. And the, 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 the list changes every now and again. Tesla was recently added to the S&P 500 a couple years ago. Um, but, you know, all the big stuff, GE, Ford, whatever. So the S&P 500 is a very kind of superficial way 
to to monitor economic growth as a whole, especially, I mean, as far as the U.S. is concerned. But it is, it is a standard way that people do it. And um, if, if you're a, a investing in a retirement fund, if you're doing things like that and you, and you don't want to actively manage your fund or you don't want, you know, you don't have the money to get somebody to, to handle your account for you or whatever, you don't have the time. What a lot of people do is they, they uh, buy ETFs and they buy these sorts of um, bundled stock packages that are owned by a very small group of companies, BlackRock, uh, Vanguard, um, you know, they're, they're these certain companies that really they, they provide these ETF packages. People buy it and they go, well, I'm just going to buy a stock that has a little bit of everything from the S&P 500. You can buy one stock that it is a, a fr- it carries fractions of other shares that are already in the S&P. So you're basically buying a stock that just mirrors the movement of the S&P. 500 standard and poor 500 rating agency um so people know very well that the s&p 500 averages about six percent a year that the american economy that the american equities market on average goes up about six percent a year to have two years in a row where you've got 10 percent growth you you have to expect that there's going to be a correction and there's been a lot of buying t- due to these low interest rates. People are able to go out and they're able to borrow money pretty easily um, and, and pay it back, especially if you have money. If you are somebody who has cash, I mean, even if you have, you know, 300 grand or 500 grand or something, you know, that's you don't have to be a millionaire. Even if you had $300,000 in cash sitting around, you could do a lot with it because, um you can just borrow it and, and pay it back at almost nothing. Um, and as that as the interest rates will go up, the asset purchasing will drop off. People won't borrow as much. People won't be buying houses or cars or whatever you, you take loans out for. And that will be the constricting. That will be the that's that's the that's the way they they seem to be counteracting this. And, and fighting inflation as much as they can. So the, the, the correction, and a correction is, is specified as a 10% drop uh, within a certain period of time, I think within like a, a three-month period or six-month period. If the S&P were to drop 10%, which is pretty significant, it, it, would, it, would, it would be felt around the country. That would be considered a correction. And then if you go lower than that, well, then you get into a depression or recession or whatever. And those definitions are always changing. But um, at times like these where you got these kind of flash crashes, I mean, it's a flash crash so far because it's only really been two trading days, Friday and today. Um, but it's always interesting to pay attention to, to when these things happen because you, you learn a lot. <laughs> you learn a lot about a lot. And you see how how people react and institutions react and how the Fed reacts. You know, if you have any interest in in following the Federal Reserve, which can be a very daunting and boring and tedious task. But if you have interest in in that sort of thing, then it's around this time that you really get to see what they're doing, what they're made of. And, um, yeah. And, And this isn't just America, too. This is all over the world, Europe and Asia and everywhere. 
Uh, there was one thing I wanted to ask. Was this 2020 and 2021 or 2019 and 2020, the last two years that you're talking about? Uh, let's look at the, uh, I think it's 2020 and 2021. We're both just like blasting. If I'm not mistaken, let me. I have a uh, chart here that I pulled up. The S&P going back a little while, and I will post it in the chat. You can find it in the show notes, of course. It's all there. Yeah, I mean, just in 2021, you can see there's been a very, very large bump of growth there. Even even the, uh, I guess there's a little dip in September. And is that from Delta? Is that Delta dip? Is that from the? I guess just the the returning back to the old normal with things opening up more and more ish. Yeah, and in stimulus, and uh, all of the all of the rich people making money. Yeah, uh, Minnesota is getting ready to get some more uh, checks sent out to them. Yeah, yep. Well, there's that stimulus, but then there's corporate stimulus, and there's you have to understand these. We're we're seeing the reflection of these companies, and and really the stock market and the S and P five hundred is the the moods of rich people, very rich people, and with them, I don't really think they've been affected all that much by the pandemic. Very wealthy people, obscenely wealthy people. I think that they're affected to a certain degree, but I don't think it actually really impacts their life in a major way that, say, somebody who, you know, works on a on a line in a kitchen somewhere and they got to wear a mask 12 hours a day in the heat every day, you know, just shit like that. There's, it doesn't, it doesn't really affect their lives in a big way. And now I think you're starting to see the hurt. I think people are starting to hurt and it's going to be a slow, slow build. These things generally are. I I think that there are obviously there are great crashes in the stock market that are very dramatic and very famous. Like, you know, the, uh, the, the roaring twenties crash, you know, but the truth is, is that declines, the worst declines are not immediate they're pretty gradual and there is a rot that occurs before the crash and to pick out those signs and to be able to determine what, what those things are. That's, that's as maybe jaded as it is to say, that's the opportunity at hand. You know, you want to, if you want to get involved in finance, if you want (laughs) to buy stocks or whatever, you know, options, crypto, then now is the time to pay attention to these sorts of things and buy in because this is what they call a classic buying opportunity. Yeah, you know, when things sink down and everybody's still confident that everything's going to go up, and historically things go up, it's true. But how long do you think this window is going to be open? Yeah, I have no way of saying. It's very difficult to say. It could it could end tomorrow, and it could just go right back up to where it was, and this could just be another blip. Um, and that's that. But I think uh, now's as good a time as any. I mean, timing these things is tough. In fact, it's kind of a fool's game. Horowitz will tell you that too. 
Um, but you know, it's here now and it's something to monitor. I do know for a fact that if you are going to buy stocks or buy anything, honestly, the best time to buy is a Monday morning or Friday morning or Friday afternoon. That's kind of your classic power hour time. Other than that, I mean, the movement is, is the movement. <laughs> and, um, if you if you're in the if you're in the zone to buy something, then you should just do it and then write it out. You shouldn't buy anything that you're going to hold for less than a year. Well, I, I don't I don't even know the first place that I'd start. <laughs> no, there's all kinds of stuff. We there's so much uh, so many resources. TD Ameritrade website has like for free all of these incredible courses and things that you can take um, on on everything um, and YouTube and there's there's all kinds of ways to learn about that stuff. But if you have the time and the and you actually want to learn about it, I definitely wouldn't mind. I just I th- I think the time thing is a definite uh yeah mind it's hurdle. Time sink. It's t- it's total time sink, and you you actually have to have like a little journal. Like you have to like write down all these concepts and stuff by hand to get them. It helps to have like a little shorthand journal. Oh, interesting. A one pager, as they say. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, I've also posted a New York Times article uh, in the show notes, just in case you think I'm just talking out my, my butt about this uh, crash thing. They're, they're talking about it, too. So if the New York Times is talking about it, I guess it's real, right? Anyway, that's that. Um, also, Davos was just held. Oh, uh, before we go on to that, do you have any parting thoughts? Definitely interested. Um, I'll... I'll be paying extra attention for this next DH unplugged. Yeah, I'm M2. I'm looking forward to what Horowitz has to say, especially uh, if tomorrow's red as well. And uh, if you're getting ready to go talk about some Davos, I think I should give you a little uh, transitional music. (laughs) That's... Warms my my cold cold heart. Oh yes, it does. So our favorite guy ever, Klaus Schwab, just hosted uh, the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. And uh, yeah, I, I like pointing that out because whenever they get together, I love pointing it out. And you know who else pointed it out? And I love that they. They took a break from this uh, mainstream YouTube channel they were on, but uh, Crystal and and Sagar. Oh yeah, uh, I, I like those guys. I mean, they they are a little heavy on the liberal side, but they do pay attention to some good stuff, and they they had some fun things to say about Davos. Uh, if you could hit me with clip one. Well, there is perhaps no more cringe event in this world than the World Economic Forum, which was held annually at Davos, Switzerland. It has inspired some great memes online with their outlandish costumes. Often its agenda is mocked. Now, my personal favorite being is world billionaires dressing up as refugees to try and get a day in the life feel for. (laughs) And then often their panels give us plenty to ridicule too. 
At its heart, though, the World Economic Forum is a deeply sinister effort. There was a time, not that long ago, that at least the world's billionaire elite tried to hide their machinations behind closed doors. They were really weird clubs, there were clandestine meetings, behind-the-scenes calls with world leaders, but it was only in the mid-2000s and the 1990s, with the codification of neoliberal policy in the White House and across Europe, that they felt comfortable enough to come out in the open and not only push policy globally, but also be naked in their intentions. That's all that I could really think about when I saw one of the most stunning clips yet to emerge from Davos. Let's take a listen. At Davos a few years ago, you know, the Edelman survey showed us that the good news is the elite across the world trust each other more and more. So we can come together and design and do beautiful things together. The bad news is that in every single country they were polling, the majority of people trusted that elite less. So we can lead, but... Wow, let that sink in. The good news is they trust each other more. The bad news is that all of us trust them less. It is really stunning to hear it verbalized that way, given that I would reverse the good and the bad news, but it's useful nonetheless. Globalization has brought a ruling global elite who are much more comfortable with each other than with their own countrymen. And this begets a global effort to make the system continue to work for them and work less for all of us. It's an interesting point of view that uh, he thinks that they become more comfortable with each other than they do uh, getting, I guess, more comfortable with uh, just normal everyday people. Yeah, they, and that's what she says. That the, the elites around the world are very comfortable with each other, but they don't, they don't get along with their um, underlings. They're countrymen. Hence why AOC makes all of her people wear a mask. <laughs> yeah, well, I think she's into that sort of thing. Oh. <laughs> but it could be, you know. I don't know if you've ever been into D.C., but those guys all are... Uh, politicians are very, very weird people. Very strange people. I mean, you got to admit, I just... <sighs> Like this Beto O'Rourke guy, I don't mean to go off topic, but Beto O'Rourke, like, the guy's name's fucking Robert. Like, he made his name Betos to sound like he's more, like, ethnic, Latin. Like, what a weirdo. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> very bizarre. So, uh, yeah, the World Economic Forum, uh, yeah, and fucking Schwab. God damn it, I hate these guys. But we did hear from Klaus himself. Apparently, Klaus has a very cool idea, which I knew that you would appreciate. He wants to make a giant collective robo-brain. Oh, hell, Satan. <laughs> hell, Satan. That's right. Satan. <laughs> Satan-y. Sounds a little Satan-y. The devil. <laughs> yes. Please hit me with clip two. Beelzebub. All of this occurred at this year's World Economic Conference under the auspices of Klaus Schaub. Now, the leader who famously last year released Schaub. The Great Reset and is now out with the sequel, The Great Narrative. <laughs> now, you might ask, what is The Great Narrative? Well, the great, like The Great Reset, it is nebulous, but as they define it, it reads, quote, 
a collaborative effort of the world's leading thinkers to fashion longer-term perspectives, co-create a narrative that can help guide the creation of a more resilient, inclusive, and sustainable vision for our collective future. <laughs> hmm, a whole lot of nothing, but enough there to parse. Collective future, co-create a narrative. In other words, a top-down effort by the Davos set to specifically set the agenda and the outlook for the world as they did with the outbreak of globalization in the 1990s. At its heart, the Davos Project, the Great Reset and the Great Narrative are anti-democratic efforts to push back against nationalist and populist outbreaks across Europe, Asia, here in the United States and in South America. It is an effort to regain the control over policy and democratic consensus that they had in the 1990s and the mid-2000s. And here's the thing, we absolutely cannot let that happen because while that clip went viral, there were other moments of the conference that did not get as much attention. Take this one, for example. I just would uh, like to highlight uh, what you said about the European uh, Chips Act because uh, it's an important step to create the physical brain for digitalization and to have it located to a certain extent in Europe. Uh, what? Digitalization of the physical brain and have it based in Europe? Thank you for saving our democracy. <laughs> That's right. A giant robo-brain. You heard it, folks, from Klaus Schwab himself. Oh my god. A robo brain that will contain the collective knowledge of every man, woman, and child on this pathetic little planet. Lordy. Uh, yeah. This is yeah. getting worse. <laughs> oh my goodness. Give it to me, baby. Oh my. Oh my. Well, that's a uh, so, that's a, that's a little spooky. It's a little. Uh, I, I would, I you know, maybe this giant mecha brain is trying to create itself. It's it's become so advanced. It's uh, sending commands through the ether from the future. Perhaps it's literally coding itself into existence. I won't put down extra dimensional artificial intelligence running things from behind the scenes. I won't put that away. That's that could be a valid thing. Mm-hmm. Uh I I just I hate these guys. These guys are just the the actual real life Bond villains that we all deserve because dystopia is boring and mundane. <laughs> and not like I'm never gonna like be eating noodles in the rain with a robot arm. Just not gonna happen. Um but anyway. That's uh, the World Economic Forum uh, being held in Davos, Switzerland, and they are the fucking scum of the earth. Speaking of the scum of the earth, the last thing I'd like to talk about is something that uh, has made its rounds. Uh, this this uh, President Biden uh, expletive, expletive that he said on national television. Ooh. That's right. He's an... He's not in deep water. Everybody's like, allegedly he did it. He did it. It's on TV. I mean, it's funny. It's like everyone's like tiptoeing around the fact that he did something very unpresidential. Something that was very, it's something that like people say Trump would do. You know, it's something that, which I don't know if he, I mean, he did say some shit, but like, I don't know. He never, 
He never called anyone a, a stupid son of a bitch on television, other than Rosie O'Donnell. He called her fat and ugly on TV, but I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's not about Trump. The point is, is that our current president called Fox's Peter Dooley a stupid son of a bitch. Uh, let's get the Biden stupid SOAB clip, please. That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> and they cut him off. Ooh, ooh, cut him off, cut him off. <laughs> you like that? Biden's handlers behind the scenes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is just getting worse. <laughs> ah, this is getting worse. Mute him, mute him, mute him, mute him, mute him. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. If you if you listen closely, you can hear the thank you girls back there. Oh, of course. Thank of course you, you can. Uh, Fox's Peter Dooley uh, asked a question. The question was, uh, do you think inflation is going to help you out in the midterms, basically? And uh, Biden responded as such. I think it was a sarcastic thing. Like, oh, yeah, inflation's great, <laughs> dumbass. Like, that's kind of what I... That's a serious question, right? Uh, <laughs> come on, man. Come on. <laughs> but Dooley has... he's He's been around already. He's... The guy who like asks Jen Psaki all the tough questions that she she'll always get like put into memes and shit. He's he's always the guy who's asking her shit that she doesn't want to hear. Uh, he's a uh, he's Robert Fox. He's a, you know he's a sharp dude, uh, presidential press reporter. You Is know? he a younger guy? He's a younger guy. Okay, he's probably I think I... like in his early thirties, maybe maybe late twenties even. Yeah, um, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he's got great hair. Oh, know. yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, sculpted. I, sculpted hair. Yeah, he's got the sculpted hair, and he's just got this look as he's sitting there in the press room. You know, you can he, you just see the, the like, gaze through his mask of just, like, you are so full of shit. He's so funny. He's a, he's a very funny uh, reporter, but, and now he's got this thing. He's Now he's the son of a bitch guy. Uh, he responded to it, and he and he took it in good humor. Uh, if you could play the Ducey response clip, I think we have young Mr. Ducey uh, with <laughs> us right now. You heard Dana's comments and everyone's comments, Peter. Have you been called by the White House or the President and asked for to come to the Oval Office tomorrow for an interview? <laughs> no, no, and I don't think that that's coming either. Um, but what's crazy about this is, I, in the longer version of the clip, there was a group of reporters that were all gathered. We listened to him explain the competition council, which is the reason that he's having this meeting with most of the cabinet. And somebody shouted out a question about Russia and the president said, I'm not gonna take questions right now about anything off topic. So I shouted out uh, something that's not on my two pages of questions about crime. Uh, okay, <laughs> what about inflation? Do you think inflation is a political liability? in the midterms and then he said that and i couldn't even hear him because people were shouting at us to get out but somebody came up to me in the briefing room a few minutes later and said did you hear what the president <laughs> said and i said no what they said he called you a stupid sob and i said did he say sob and the person said no <laughs> he did the elongated version you know, uh, yep. So, Ducey, I think the president's right. You are a stupid. <laughs> <SMB>. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah, nobody has fact-checked him yet and said it's not true. <laughs> no one's given Pinocchios for that one. No, but so you're now, I guess, everyone's talking about you. You're going to be known as the stupid SOB guy. I mean, before you were like the, the hair guy with the blonde hair. Now you're now you're stupid SOB. Is this something you're embracing, Peter? Do I have a choice? <laughs> 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 fox fuck <laughs> fox fox yeah anyway so it's like in good humor the whole thing is just fucking bizarre <clears throat> because again this guy just keeps doing stuff it's, it's like <laughs> they, they bitched about trump so hard for so many years and then they found somebody who really isn't that different from him or like any better it's just still a crotchety old white guy who just fucking hates people and is an asshole (laughs) and has been way too rich and way too powerful for way too long and like and it's not the first time he's done this he said all kinds of shit he said i mean the famous thing with the roaches we always bring up the roaches thing but that was just like a slip of the a slip of the the mind i guess or something he's said some very mean shit um, a couple of years back, I pulled this up. I don't know if anyone remembers, but he was giving a speech in Abu Dhabi to the third, 380th Expeditionary Expeditionary Wing of the Air Force. Expeditionary. Expeditionary. And, um, and I got the clip here, if anyone can hear it. If you could play clap for that. Is this mic on? I guess, anyway. I want to know, notwithstanding... Good judgment. One, I married Jill. And two, I appointed Johnson to the Academy. I just want you to know that. Clap to that. Oh, yeah, I remember this one. Okay. Tell the audience, I need applause, man. <laughs> The please clap, please clap. Yeah, yeah. I pointed your CEO to the academy or whatever, and he says, "Clap for that, you stupid bastards!" And they clap, and then he says, "God, you are a dull bunch." <laughs> and he waits, and he pauses for a minute. And he goes, "You guys are slow." <laughs> I mean, fucking rough. Just like. <laughs> I think in his mind, he's like, oh, I'm just messing around, you know. I'm just a hard-ass oh, guy messing yeah. around or whatever. But it's like, <laughs> fuck, dude. Like, you know, you're an asshole. There's no, there's no way around it. And he was that way when he was the vice president under Obama. And uh, he's even more that way now that he's, he's the big guy and uh, he gets his 10%. <laughs> R.I.P. Goofy Uncle Joe memes. Oh man, that guy has been behind some of the worst shit to ever come out of Washington D.C. The '94 Crime Bill, the Patriot Act. The guy is just such such a part of the problem, and it irritates me to no end that people champion this guy and act like he's the savior to Trump when. In reality, this guy has done way more damage to the country than Trump ever will, or ever could do. It's it's, uh, and I know that that's a controversial thing to say. 
in uh, liberal circles, of course, they would crucify me if they heard me say that. But it's fucking true. The man was a senator for 50 years. It's hard to outdo that kind of damage, you know? <laughs> Please clap. Please clap. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, yep. And that's uh, that's my fucking two cents on the matter, man. It's been it's been a wild uh, wild time. New year, new gear, new beer. Yes. Uh, do you want to talk about the new gear real quick? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, said it before the show. I'll say it now. Uh, we've got a new mixer coming in for me. A nice uh, Allen Heath ten channel, and uh, I was able to acquire this piece of equipment thanks to the to the uh, the courage and the charity of the producers and of the freaks of hazards who gave it to the show. Every dime that we get from the producers goes right back into the show. So I'm going to upgrade my shit. I'm going to probably sound even better, and that's what we're going to do. I'm trying to always move forward, always improve. No doubt. Hallelujah, a woman. Right. A woman. I'm super excited to get it integrated in. Yeah, and I'll be able to host, I think, and, and do some clips and things like that and it should be the start of something beautiful and then uh i'll probably yeah i'll probably just go from there it's it's a good step and this thing is fucking awesome i can't wait to get it it's going to it's going to apply to this and then i'm also probably going to use it for music too so oh thank you. yeah hell yeah thank you everybody so fucking much yeah uh, that's the one that's got a bunch of effects in the uh, in the console, right? It's got effects. It's got it all. It's got yeah. It's I'm got a bunch of different outputs. <laughs> I can do an analog or digital output. It's it's great. And, and it's uh, as I was bitching about earlier. It doesn't have a proprietary um, charging cable. It's got a fucking industry standard 120 volt. So that I need. I need everything to run. That's the, that's what everything takes. It's like your power supply and your computer and amps and everything. They all use that trapezoidal uh plug mm. that's oh, what I fucking it's mean. a oh my god um iec cable iec cable yeah the plastic molded one? one yeah yeah that's what it's called mm-hmm. international electrotechnical commission interesting i'm just looking at iec yeah so thanks, uh, and that's uh, that's that. We're gonna we're we're doing it, and then we're we're getting ready to ship out to Nashville for our big Valentine's Day meetup, which is just growing into quite the meetup. Yes, uh, uh, Mousy Bear and Tunta will be there. Um, mm-hmm. Metis has signed up. Um, Metis and family will be there. There's her seat sitter, and actually, uh, <laughs> not to spill too many beans, but you, myself, and Sir seat sitter will be shacking up for the weekend of uh, Valentine's Day. All three of us. Yep, we'll be sharing a place. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be Broville around here. And go do that, but I think it's going to be happening at the rink. I think it's going to be a lot of people. 
Yeah, I think in some capacity, I would definitely like to try and live stream from there. So I'm kind of chewing on some different possibilities, but I uh, might try and set like a open mic sort of table up. Have a couple of headphones and mic stand set up and anybody that wants to pop on, just, you know, say hi mm. to the stream. Mm. Yeah, uh, I got my my mic stand my new mic stand that I got for the event. Yeah, we'll have it open, and anybody who who's there who uh, has a microphone, <laughs> you can uh, hop in and do it. We're gonna we're gonna be throwing it on. Yeah. That'll be following the the meetup. So we'll be doing the meetup, and then we'll be heading back and well doing the show. I was saying, um, actually live stream from the roller rink. From the roller rink. Yeah. Hmm. If it'd have to be in an isolated room, though. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it could be cool to hear all the background noise. Sound like shit. I mean, it might be cool, but it might not be cool too. But I was thinking though that about that, like there's a there's a beer bar around here that has a recording studio and it has like a like a radio broadcast room. Oh, that's cool. And I was thinking if you ever visit me over here, we could probably go commandeer that thing for a day and do it from there. Uh, But I like the the idea. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's worth exploring. I I would be down to, you know, because I'm not I'm not the biggest uh, fan of roller skating just because I'm no good at it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I think I would enjoy my time just, uh, you know. Capture in the moment. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's uh, hey, it's a good idea, actually. I think if we can find a way to mitigate the background noise, I don't see why not. Um, do we have any screen mails? It doesn't appear so, but if you would like to leave one for tonight, you can call 612-263-7999. Mm-hmm. 612-263-7999. And you can show up to the Nashville meetup and you can hang out at the singles table. <laughs> Single and ready to dingle. Ready to shringle. Mm. Uh, I'm ready to, to dance about the... No, I'm not. I'm just going to... We're just going to drink beer and broadcast. <laughs> Live your best party boy life. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be really tempted because we fly in. I fly in, and I think you fly in, too, the night before. Yes. And uh, it's going to, I mean, I'm going to be exhausted after a day of flying, I know, just because I know myself. But it's going to be tempting to not want to go out that night. <laughs> like, go to the strip and get fucked up and see some music and stuff. But, uh, you know. I would, uh, I you know, there's parts of Nashville that I like. Um, the strip can get a little tourist trappy um but there's some sure. there's some really nice uh kind of off the uh off the side street bars with um lots of lots of killer music yeah and that's what i want to do i've never been to nashville so there's even never some, been to tennessee there's even some smoking bars there too Ooh, smoking <laughs> bars i got blueberry all perked up that's where that's where we got to do the show from god damn it <laughs> smoking bar yeah 
Yeah, make my my nice Sennheiser smell like a fucking cigarette for the rest of time. Actually, it'd be a cigar. I'd be doing a cigar. Nice. Yeah, that's good shit. Are you yeah, gonna... I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too, man. It's going to be good. Uh, I'm excited. I think it's going to be filled with all sorts of uh, cool shit. Yeah, and cool people. Last time I checked, we got, I think, like 70 people going. Yeah. That's probably grown since then. The uh, the email that I got didn't actually tell me how many uh, people and number wise had reserved. I know that you'd been asking me, but you can go on if you go on the the meetups page. Oh, it'll tell you, you and you RSVP. It'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's what I did. I I didn't see any numbers. Uh, yeah, should be hot. I, and I still again don't know why I'm going or what this meetup is for. <laughs> Other than the fact that you invited me and that a shitload of people are going. But I still don't know why people are going. Don't know. Something about that uh, Magic V. Is is it because Adam is going and then Dame Jennifer and then it's hosted by a Duke? Is that it? Is that why? I mean, there's a lot of... uh, There's a lot of force multipliers going down. Yeah, I mean... If you... Yeah, Sir Spencer's going to have to... Uh, explain this out to me when I talk to him next time. But yeah, this I'm looking forward to it anyway. Regardless, it's going to be a great time. But I have to say, I mean, I'm still confused as to why this is happening or it's a big deal in the first place. But that's great. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So, fuck yeah. It's, you know, ride the wave. Do you want to ride the wave into this intermission? Yes, I do. Nice. This one's a little fun. It's a little on the longer side, but I'm going to step back. I'm going to take a big, deep breath of that cold Minnesota air, and we'll have a killer second, second half of show. Oh, yeah. It's a blueberry uh, intermission today. It is. Gonna break my heart And every now and then it just falls apart You ain't ever gonna see me cry And every now and then I get a tear in my eye So if you want me to stop firing Stay with me, stop trying I really ain't gonna lose So darling, cut me loose Gonna break my heart And every now and then it just falls apart You ain't ever gonna see me cry But every now and then I get a tear in my heart So if you want me to stop firing Stay with me, stop trying I win and I ain't gonna lose So darling, come and lose Stop trying, I'm feeling the let off 
from Barker Brothers, a game for the entire family. Scott Free. Your team has just assassinated the president. Can you get away scot-free? Shake the dice and see. Great, you found a patsy. Go again. Bonus cards. You get Jack Ruby to kill your patsy. That's good because dead men don't talk. Oh no, Abraham's Bruder films the assassination. Tough break, but now you go again. And a stroke of luck, 22 material witnesses die of unnatural causes. Now your opponent shakes again. Uh-oh, look out. Life Magazine buys the Zabruder film. But you buy Life Magazine and show the frames out of sequence. You're almost home. Now you must spin the public opinion board. You've done it. The public believes it. You're scot-free. Available from Barker Brothers. Never enough. He's Mr. White Christmas. He's high on crack. That's right. He's Mr. I see you. He's Mr. Pain in his back. Friends call me crack addict. Whatever I touch is sold to buy more drugs. Ha ha. It's never enough. He's high on crack. That's right. He's Mr. I see you. He's Mr. Pain in his back. Friends call me crack addict. Whatever I touch is sold to buy more drugs. <laughs> it's never enough. It's never enough. No! Satan is not my co-pilot. That's right, I'm a religious man. And being a religious man, you know what I gotta have? I gotta have a holy trinity. That's right. In the Mojo Holy Trinity, there's Elvis Presley. And there's I say, I say, son, foghorn leg horn. Pay attention to what I'm saying, boy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. You know who else is in the Mojo Holy Trinity? a drunk from the Andy Griffith Show. He's got the funk, the spunk, the power of the hour, the supersonic Mayberry sensation sweeping the nation. New condoms. What's wrong with our regular brand of condoms? Nothing, but these were on special, that's all. You cheap gay bastard. These things are gonna fly right off. <laughs>
like your mom Oh, like your mom Oh, like your mom supposed to ask you about um this is these are other special sections they're doing this one um this is a spot that's going to be on what uh uh our uh, bands charge ticket prices basically ah, so, like, we had that discussion. Ticket prices. first question is what do, what do you think of artists who do charge anywhere between 50 to 75 dollars for tickets there are who charges charge that, that much, much money who does Apparently. that Madonna. Madonna how much does? do we charge a ticket john yeah, but that's like a burlesque show. It's a big production, isn't it? Twenty-seven? Twelve? Uh, you can speak. Three? Is that twelve or twenty-one? Seventeen to eighteen bucks a ticket? Wow. Madonna charges fifty dollars? Apparently. Fifty to seventy-five. <laughs> Madonna yeah. wears Madonna wears fur too. Mm -hmm. Did you know that? Yeah. We were talking about, boy, we should charge $25 and really milk it. <laughs> yeah. Like, really take them for all they got. They want to come. Let's see how bad they really want to see the band play. So, um, 17, we charge $17. So, what would Fugazi's what playing tonight, they're charging five. Six. So how does that make you feel? Weak. <laughs> Exploited. Yep, see, they go from five to six to seven <laughs> to eight. <laughs> Pretty soon. It's all over, man. Was inflation? What with the Ticketmaster charge and. Um, so, what do you think of the price you charge for your concert? Mm. 17 to 18. <laughs> What do we think of it? I guess we make enough money. God, if we had to pay for every show we played on tour? Never mind. I don't know. Production costs are so astronomical. It's amazing. You gotta pay all these people, and the band always gets it in the end. The band has to pay for everything. That's a, the We one make the least amount of money. How much do you see of the, this says 30 odd dollars you charge for one ticket, but let's say 17 or 18 dollars you pay, you charge for one ticket. John? <laughs> we don't even know. Sure, huh? 25%? Is that after your cost? And then, and then... Cool. <laughs> so, so say if it's $20, we see $5 in the $20. And that's, you know, then the, you have to pay for your the cost of the touring with that. Interesting. Um, okay, that's that. No, that. we make that $5. That's in our pocket, Clee, right? No? Yeah, 25%. You work on about 25%. Oh, net. Oh, okay. Then you have to split it three ways. <laughs> right, $1.75 a piece for every show. Uh, for every person. So, if there's 8,000 people, you made 10 grand that night. I didn't go to college. That's not bad money. 10 grand a night. Gee, that's pretty good. Let's play more shows. I never think about that. <laughs> Let's go out there and play. But we're not rich or anything. <laughs> Wow, that's pretty good money. I'm, I'm gonna go out and buy something today. I feel guilty about it. <laughs> Cheapness is bread me. I heard you were leaving. Well, that habit's hard to break. With all the angels vagabound, 
It's just blisters where the fever once had been So stay Welcome back to second second half of Behind the Schemes for episode 81. This is January 25th now, 2022. It's still January 24th over here. Excuse me, my hair. Uh, I gotta go and uh, I, I think I'm gonna have to manually adjust that uh, helipad sound. <laughs> it's scaring the shit out of me. <laughs> it's a little, uh, it's a little sharp. It's a little sharp. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll make some adjustments, but that uh, that perfectly timed in sync boost came from Servo for 923 sats from Curiocaster. We appreciate that from. Servo? Yes. Thank you, Servo. Thank you, Servo. Big job list, Servo, for the boost. We, uh, there's a couple of business things we should touch on real fast. Uh, one of those being we have new email addresses. They are set up through the website, so you can now contact myself at uh, boo at behindtheschemes.com. Yes, and you can contact me at lavish at behindtheschemes.com. And uh, I'm excited to check out those, uh, well, those emails, I suppose. It's been a long time coming. Um, 
it actually stemmed from uh, I I got a new misinformed nation website up and running. It's a uh, msinformednation.com and mm. I set up a uh, an email for that website because this coming Sunday after No Agenda, uh, Misinformed Nation will be live after the No Agenda show. Nice. And we're hoping uh, if we can get some submissions, what we're wanting to do is a clip bucket. So anybody that's on, um, you know, anybody that's using a podcasting 2.0 app or has a has some sort of digital audio workspace. Clip up a podcast that you're listening to and send it in, and uh, we'll we'll play it on the air. Indeed. So get excited! Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping we can get some submissions. We we do have a backup show um, that we'll be uh, that we'll be presenting. Hmm. But people, you're asking people to send in clips, though. Yeah, try something new. Very nice. Cool. So keep an eye out there. That's this Sunday? Yes, that's correct. January 30th. Nice. And you're doing that with Sir Spencer and with... Uh, Sir Sir Seat Sitter and Gwyth. Sir, Sir, and Gwyth. Gwyth the Cock, King of Kent. The King of Kent. All the way from the great city of England. And if you do have uh, clips, email me... This is the different email address. It's boo at msinformednation.com. Mm. msinformednation.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, my last little bit of business before we thank our producers for tonight. Uh, this is a, a producer for the show. He does a lot of artwork. Bags has... Put up the BTS Destroyer album art on his Redbubble. Ooh. We'll have to... I asked him if maybe he could drop the um, the background and make it like a transparency. So you could yeah. print that on a white shirt. And I think it'll look mm. real slick. Or if there's a way to match that color on the shirt probably isn't but nice excellent i uh i just uh, acquired a couple of uh absna six-pack stickers and a poster oh nice from, from bags so <laughs> thank you very much uh bags and you know if you feel like throwing up any of that uh behind the schemes artwork onto the red bubble i'm sure i would uh be interested in that so we appreciate it. Now that poster's up. This BTS Destroyer poster. I'm getting that for sure. Yeah. And you can get a huge scarf. <laughs> That's awesome. I hadn't seen that. A scarf? Yeah. Or a spiral notebook. Oh, see, this one looks good. Some or a of the- mug. <laughs> oh, man. Nice. Look at all these 43 plus products. On a black shirt would be cool. On a phone case. Man, there's all kinds of shit. Red Bubble's nuts. Yeah. I uh, I did one of their offices once, and they they really like high-end stuff. Very, very fancy office space in San Francisco. Cool. Very cool. Hell yeah. Well, we appreciate it, Bags, and uh, I'm definitely... I, I've always been a sucker for the uh, OBDM art that he's got. 
So there's some oh. there's some good stuff. If you haven't seen it, check it out. I think there's a, a gal will actually take you to his art page with an exclamation point bags in our chat room. Hashtag green room on zero node or IRC dot zero node dot net. Mm hmm. Yeah. Exclamation mark bags. Yeah. Thanks bags. It's. Oh, look at that. Oh, we got the email too. Oh, nice. Wow. So yeah. Look at that. Nice. <laughs> Exclamation point email. It'll uh, list the email addresses for uh, myself and Lavish. I'll have to update mine. Uh, lavish at behindtheschemes.com, right? Yep, that is correct. Easy peasy. I'll do like my Gmail account as well. But... Gotta, I gotta get on the right, the the straight and narrow. I gotta adopt the uh, the brand. <laughs> Embrace the brand. <laughs> Embrace the brand, as some might say. <laughs> nice. Well, would you like to get into some of your your juice for the evening? I want to embrace all of the producers real quick for tonight's oh, episode. Oh, good. Of course. Yes, that's right. We do that at this part of the show now. Yes, and uh, first off, I'd like to thank Servo for uh, for keeping Gal up to date. She's the hottest bot in the nation, and she'll oh, do so hot, all sorts so of hot uh, of amazing things for us. Um, mm-hmm. And like I stated earlier, Servo was uh, was very helpful along with C Dubs and Cotton Gin as far as updating the uh, helipad sound. I think it still mm-hmm. needs some tweaking, but it also doesn't help that the Motu shit the bed tonight. That's, uh, <laughs> that's half of the issue. Yeah, we are. We're uh, we're flying by night here. But uh, we we greatly appreciate all the work that gets put into Gal. She's amazing. I love her. She can love who she wants to love. Yeah, she's a hot hot bot. One of the coolest bots around. And we had one of the coolest in the in the chat. We had some other folks come through um, uh, from No Agenda Social, Make Heroism, and Pidgey Cat sent in some of their own ISOs, and uh, I know, get excited for these. These are fucking hilarious. It's gonna be a real who's who of child rapists. Well, we're gonna suck at sale. We're going to eat people whether you like it or not. <laughs> Sess work is the only work for me. If you want to use this toilet, you're gonna have to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah, there's thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Some classics in there, to say the least. Uh, this one, this one gets me. We're going to eat people whether you like it or not. <laughs> Hell yeah! Those are killer. Very, very killer. You play the first one again? Yes, I can. It's gonna be a real who's who of child rapists. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It's like a it's like a Jim Carrey type of thing. I was thinking the Grinch. Yeah, that that Jim Carrey guy. 
What a talented guy. I hope that young man does well. Mm. <laughs> yeah. The cigarette stub of a man. Uh, you know, the candle that burns twice as bright. And uh, we had one of our oldest producers uh, make a comeback. Sir Manny came in with $26.66 through PayPal. Sir Manny, thank you. Yeah, good to hear from you. Hope everything's going well in NOLA. Yeah, hope uh, hope things are smooth sailing. It was the last time we talked to you. And uh, Find safe waters, sir. And I like the numerals, 2666. Yeah. <laughs> That it's is a uh, that is uh, that's a very that is very satany, slightly satany. It tastes of Satan. It's like two times the power of Satan. Hmm. Mm. And Tuta came in with a donation of three dollars and thirty three cents, and also included uh, an ISO from No Agenda. Coincidence? I think not. I think not. I think not indeed. God bless. <laughs> hey, woman. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> so kind with the, the triple threes, the triple trays. Coincidence? I think not. And last but not least, uh, Bully Steed sent a donation right in at the very beginning of the show with uh, $6.96. Oh, fun number. And 69 backwards, as a matter of fact. It's like a palindrome. Nice. Thank you, Boulet. Boulet, Boulet, Steed. Thank you. She's hanging out in the chat. Jude's hanging out in the chat. Everybody's hanging out in the chat. You can talk to our fantastic producers. Sometimes they hang out with us during the live show. Uh,. The bomb diggity. All of our producers and all of our freaks. Thank you. Uh, Make heroism. Pidgey Cat. Terrific. Uh, Sir Manny. Junta. Bully Seed. Sir Vo. Thank you. Thank you all. Let me uh, let me hit these booster grams that I missed. Uh, we had uh, 1,023 sats come in from Servo via CurioCaster saying in the green room, ITGR. Uh, we got the two Servo. from two from a uh, cotton gin. Uh, there was a thirty thirty that came in from at signs of new growth, and this was uh, for Abel in the Wolf, the like wine track, which was uh, hella cool. Hmm. And then uh, let's you got see. you got some sets for playing it for the artwork because I'm in the oh um, for the artwork yeah the yeah. item split or the person split right. Getting your residuals. <laughs> and uh, the last one, this one came from four days ago. It's uh, from Servo again for 888 through CurioCaster again. And this is right when uh, right when we got the helipad installed with the new sound. Nice. 888. 888 sets. Thank you very much. Servo and everybody. And oh, I'm sorry, there was one last one from Sir Spencer, and this one says, Hunt, uh, 2,222 sats from the Fountain app, and it says, Hunt, my big duck boost, mudda fudda. Mudda fudda. 
And of course, he's talking about the Dunk Hut boost. Boost, boost. Got him. We appreciate all the boost, uh, streaming stats to the show. It's it's really fun. I'd recommend heading over to newpodcastapps.com. Check out one of those new apps that will do the chapters or the transcripts or the clips and the value streaming. I think there's going to be a live tag coming pretty soon. Mm. I'll have to talk to PodServe, our hosting company, to see if uh, that's something that they can get implemented quickly or not. Mm. And implement that shit. Mm, I'm going to try and implement the uh, the ISOs from the beginning of the show that I wasn't able to get working. Let's try this again. Boost me, bitch. Nope. None of them wouldn't work. Who's behind the schemes? But you'll never know who's behind the screens. Call our creep phone now and leave a scream mail. We'll play it on the show. 612263 Sexy. 612263SXXY. That's 612263799. Yep, call that number 612263799. And they'll leave a scream out for tonight. We will play whatever dirty thing comes to your mind, your filthy mind. We've only got the one thus far, so uh, we'll see if we have any other ones trickle through. Um, mm. But I, I'm going to hit the uh, the stories that I've brought for tonight. Now, um, mm. the first off, uh, the first one I want to I want to roll with is uh, just a quick anecdote. Involving Meatloaf and Prince Andrew. Oh, boy. So, Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Get ready for this one. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Meatloaf appeared on It's a Royal Knockout in 1987 as a contestant and was a one-off event for charity that had four different teams full of celebrities, with each team being headed by a member of the royal family. And it featured various rounds of different games, like dressing up as vegetables and throwing fake hands at one another. Um, okay. So this is actually, it's posted on the YouTubes. I get that linked. Uh, so was meatloaf dressed up as a meatloaf? I, I couldn't, I didn't actually watch it long enough to see if meatloaf was in. I was like, oh, well I got to get other stuff done. Um, but on the Duchess of York's team was meatloaf. And there was some tension between the singer and Prince Andrew over Sarah Ferguson, who was recently dis, uh, divorced from Prince Andrew. And uh, in an interview in 2003 with The Guardian, Meatloaf talked about being in the competition, and he said, It was great fun. I had a great time. Fergie, being Sarah Ferguson, wasn't exactly flirting with me, but she was paying attention to me. And I think Andrew got a little... I could be wrong. I'm just reading into this. I think he got a little jealous. Mm. He, he continues, anyway he, anyway, he tried to push me in the water. He tried to push oh me in the goodness. moat. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, and, trying and to like, push him in the moat. That's an act of war. Dude, and like Meatloaf was not a small guy at this time either. And, well, uh, I mean, he never really was, but yeah. And uh, I get you. Let's see. So I, uh, so he, he, he tried to push me in the moat. So I turned around and I grabbed him and he goes, you can't touch me. I'm royal. And I said, well, you try and push me in the moat. Jack, I don't give a shit who you are. You're going in the moat. 
You we can't look- touch me. I'm royal. I love that. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, he probably doesn't sweat either. Yeah. He'll get his royal wipers to take care of you. And uh, <laughs> elsewhere in the interview, Meatloaf was asked about the queen, to when she simply replied, oh, the queen hates me. Oh, why? Why does the queen hate Meatloaf? No We'll idea. never know. <laughs> They're both dead. Whoa. I don't think that's, that's been right. announced yet for the queen. Yeah, but it's been announced to people who know. She go. Mm. They got a fucking dummy. They got a big dummy there. Now, uh, Meatloaf was also very much into the paranormal. I don't know if you're familiar with this or not. I was not aware that Meatloaf uh, was a big paranormal fan. On uh, With him talking about ghosts, I believe there's something when you die because there are ghosts. I've seen them. I've been around them. Some are just energy left behind and some are intelligent. I've had conversations with them using a K2 meter, which uh, lets them answer yes or no. I chased one across the room once, and when we were making Bad Out of Hell, I saw a blonde girl in a white dress. Mm. And uh, he was actually, he was friends with the the Atlantic Paranormal Society, otherwise known as TAPS, which you might have caught in the uh, sci-fi original Ghost Hunters. Oh, yes, of course, the classic. Yep, he appeared on that show in 2009. He was actually scheduled to appear in the reboot uh, here coming up in February. I think he was actually retiring from all music, and just with the way this article was reading it, uh, made it sound like he was going to go into ghost hunting full-time. That would be a great exit strategy for him, I think. No doubt. That's just fun. Oh, that's too bad. It's sad, sad to hear about him passing, man. Like, uh, I'm not the biggest meatloaf fan in the world of the food or the person, but I thought he was cool. I thought he was, you know, a pretty significant force, uh, especially for a certain time. Mm, Bad Out of Hell was in that first batch of records that I found at Goodwill. Like classic, mm. uh, classic rock albums. Sticks, Kansas, Meatloaf. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Four Led Zeppelin records. So it's been a lot of summers listening to Bad Out of Hell backwards, backwards and forwards over again. Yeah. And Bad Out of Hell represents a very important genre within rock music that doesn't get as much love. As the Zeppelins and the Beatles and the Rolling Stones is, it's like uh, I don't know what you would call it, but it's it's like wizard rock, <laughs> kind of. It's Zeppelin. Like, uh, well, Zeppelin it can be that way. Zeppelin is a is a big uh, Tolkien influence, but there are bands that are literally like I don't know, wizard bands where they they're like characters from a D and D game. And their, <laughs> their songs are about like fun, like whimsical adventures and slaying dragons and beasts and I don't know. It's they're wizard bands. It's kind of it's kind of hard to describe, uh, and it's a certain genre of music that's very like theatrical and it's 
kind of got a folk bass and a, and a classical bass. And, um, and it's not just like hard rock and cocaine music. It's it's kind of like piano-y and all over. And that's kind of what Bad of the Help represents to me, is, is that like genre of music within rock. So uh, I always kind of took it the route of um, small town, small town boy, if discovers rock and roll and his life becomes a Broadway musical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's fun. It's a good time. Yeah, and then he played these great roles. He was in Rocky Horror. He was in Hair, Fight Club, and Roadie with Alice Cooper. Yep, yep. Oh, God, he was great in Fight Club. Robert Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson. I guarantee somebody whispered that at his funeral, if he had a funeral. <laughs> um, Goddamn. No doubt. Well, we have a uh, we have a clip submission. Oh, we had a couple. Uh, the Nirvana clip from Intermission tonight came from Abel Kirby. When they were talking about the cost of ticket prices, and one piece of information that I was trying to find was the cost of the Madison Square Garden uh, comeback show. Uh, when was that? Twenty twenty one. After mm-hmm. Madison Square Garden had been shut down for over a year, I was trying to find how much the actual ticket prices was for that, but I had no luck. Hmm. Seventeen bucks seems a little low, even for the time and for them. Just seems not right. (laughs) But maybe, maybe I'm just jaded. We uh, we had a special correspondent come through, a friend of the show. He's been on here several times, Uh, and this is the one and only Sir Sir Seat Sitter. And he's got a special report on uh, <laughs> an episode of the new Twilight Zone with Jordan Peele. And he's got uh, two clips here for us, a, a little mini presentation. Um, have you seen any of this uh, this new Twilight Zone? I have. I've seen a little bit. I've seen an episode or two. I'm a big Twilight Zone fan of the original. And um, yeah, it's okay. It's good. I've only seen this one episode that uh, that he's about to review, um, but he assures me that the rest of the seasons uh, r- ranges from pretty good to really good. Yeah, Jordan Peele's very good, right? Doing things. <laughs> but uh, so here's uh, here's the first part of his review. It's it's four minutes and forty six seconds. So if you at any point want to take a pause and ask questions, uh, we can do that. But otherwise, we'll uh, we'll get started. Okay, sounds good. You're about to enter another dimension. A dimension that exists on the television screen. But more, a dimension that never should have existed at all. A place where overly woke and a complete lack of imagination form a crossroads of pretentiousness so far up its own ass that the street sign reads, We love the smell of our own farts. You're now entering a dimension that takes 44 minutes of your valuable time and gives nothing back in return. 
now entered season one, episode seven, Jordan Peele's The Twilight Zone. Having grown up on the Twilight Zone and being a longtime fan of the show and subsequent movie and reboot series, I wanted to like this most recent reboot. And overall, I do like it. Season 1, Episode 7. So bad, I just have to talk about it. The episode opens with things the way they should be. A woman named Annie is being treated as a subhuman moron by her co-workers and her boss because she has a vagina. Annie goes home with a co-worker to watch Percy's meteor shower. Then, lo and behold, the meteors land in the yard. He picks one up, hot, brings it inside, starts kind of getting bulgy veins over the course of the next few minutes. His eyes kind of bug out of his head a little bit, and he tries to have sex with her, and she says no, and then he goes, oh, come on. And he goes, fine, okay, I guess I'm overreacting. She leaves in a huff, and as she's leaving the house, woman looks back and she hears the guy smashing and sees him just smashing lamps and stuff in his house. And then Jordan Peele steps in, the rod serling of the news here. Meet Annie Miller. Annie has always seen the world as a place where she could maintain control if she just played by the rules. But tonight marks the beginning of a change, both in her and in the idyllic town she's always called home. On the eve of her sister's birthday, Annie will be forced to contend with an event well out of her control and a simmering violence about to boil over into the Twilight Zone. As the episode progresses, Annie, the main character, notices more and more people are just becoming violent and unhinged after interacting with the meteor. She's at a bar and she sees guys dropping little pieces of red rocks, the chunks of the meteor into their drinks and slamming back drinks and then they'll their voices will kind of distort and their veins will bulge out of their head and then the title of the episode rolls across the screen not all men and that's when i sat back and thought oh this is gonna be a good and he runs into her sister and they narrowly escape hordes of crazed lunatics but unfortunately they aren't out of the woods yet they're followed home by a guy on a motorcycle Luckily, Annie's brother-in-law is home, and he promptly murders the guy on the motorcycle who had followed them home. Annie then has a stunning revelation, and she says to her sister, it's the meteors, and it's just the men. Mike is sick. What? It's not just him. He has the same signs as a lot of people. This is the meteors. And it's just the men. Annie's brother-in-law then serenades Annie's sister with the happy birthday song. Then gets very perturbed when she won't blow out the candles on her cake. Happy birthday to you. Honey, blow out the candles, but don't forget to make a wish. Do it, please. Okay, Mike, you, you, you don't have to yell. I'm not yelling! You know, maybe next time. 
You don't need a lunatic to my house. Two girls drinking at a fucking bar? You're asking for it! Asking for it? Don't interrupt me! <laughs> it's riveting television. Oh, boy. <laughs> And so uh, I, I watched this on Sir Sir Seat Sitter's recommendation. Um, it doesn't really take all that long to figure out that they are indeed talking about in this show how just crazily deranged men are. Mm-hmm. How they have all of this uh, pent up violence ready to just erupt. Yes, yes. Now, what would be interesting is if these meters came down and there's, like, blue ones that turn all women into incredibly passive-aggressive. Well, see, I'm just, I'm not even comfortable discussing it any further because it would be considered incredibly sexist, I think. Well, I mean, we can can tread lightly. But I, I, I was thinking if, like, pink rocks, pink meters came down... And then the guys that took those, they just like mellowed out and started a garden and, you know, <laughs> raised some kids with his wife or something. I don't know. I don't know what the. Learn woodworking with hand tools. Yeah. You know, <laughs> helps out his mother in law whenever he can. Um, tries to make sure that his kids get to school on time. I don't know. I don't know what the, what the alternative is. But, you know, this is a big, big theme. It's something that is is ripe in the air. There's the man hatred. There's a, there's a pendulum swing, I believe, where it's been perceived that for the last, you know, however long, but in particular in living memory, you know, the last 50 years, men have been just fucking madmen style going around doing their thing. I don't know. It's a complicated topic. but And now I will say that there was some legitimately funny segments in this show. Um, there's a shortly after the scene where the husband is yelling at Annie, who is his sister-in-law and his wife. Um, the girls escape and they, they're running through town and they see this fountain and um, the the meteorites have leached into the well water, or the, I guess the fountain. Um, oh no! And <laughs> there's a bunch of dudes partying it off inside of the fountain, and this one guy's like sitting there, just fucking all of his veins bulging, screaming, "Fuck your feelings!" <laughs> <laughs> actual, uh, actual, actually in the script. Um, are you ready for a part two here? Yeah, I love it. Toxic masculinity. Let's go. Don't interrupt me! I am done with you interrupting me! Every time I have a fucking story, you gotta open that mouth of yours! Is this what you wanted? Did you want him to follow you home? Of course not. Shut up, Annie! I'm talking to my wife! (laughs) The two main characters, the women, are making their way through the streets at night with just a huge amount of carnage all around them. And they run into a guy they know who claims he doesn't have it because it can't be that all men have. Listen to me. I don't have it. Okay. It's not all us men, okay? It can't be all us. It did seem likely to me that it's probably 
a uh, hormonal reaction. But that would mean that, that, that it's also highly likely that it's a chromosomal interaction with the white hole. Oh, it's, it's unlikely. Holy this shit. is going to be right. right here. No, I'm sorry. Sorry, you can't go and they leave him behind and he gets killed by a bunch of men. Eventually, the military gets involved and while taking refuge at a military camp, Annie and her sister realize that there was nothing special at all about the meteors. They didn't do anything. They were just regular rocks. It just turns out that all men are like that. I had this in my back pocket the whole night, so... What? But Cole Steve was near that and it happened to him. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's not all of us. Maybe there is no cure. She's right. Frank, don't say that. Dad's going to be fine. They're not going to find anything. Because there's no disease. The meteors, they, they were a placebo. There's no cure because it'll always be inside me. That's it. That's the twist. That's the classic Twilight Zone twist we were all expecting. Men, bad. What? I... You stopped yourself from turning. I saw you. That's the thing. I chose to. I just chose to. And then, closing on my very favorite, the best part of the episode, just too good. The very end, when the military guy says, you know, you should smile. And she gets this terrified look in her eye. And she goes, he's one of them too. He asked me to smile. And she looks at the military guy and she goes, no. You know, I bet you'd look much cuter if you smiled. What did you say? Why don't you try it sometime? New, 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 new. Now. And two men are in custody after a road rage incident. Custody. After this. Tonight, Annie Miller found herself in the center of a mysterious and violent epidemic. What she encountered was no material disease, but rather a plague of conscience. One that gave men permission to ignore decency, consent, and fear. And tonight, all it took was a few innocuous little rocks to turn men into monsters. Here, in the Twilight Zone. Mm, it was us all along. 10 out of 10. That's what I rate this episode. All in all, couldn't have been better. 10 out of 10. Perfect score. Could, could have been better. Could have been better, though. 10 out of 10, but could have been better. And Sir Sir Seat Sitter is present in the chats, and he brings up another interesting point. If the meteors didn't do anything, why did it modulate everybody's voices like that? WTF. And their veins popped out, and, and their eyes bulged. Like, you know. It makes sense with, like, you've got a classic Twilight Zone, like the, uh, the monster on Elm Street or whatever, where... It's foggy and the lights are out and everybody thinks that they're like getting killed by creatures in the dark, but it's really just them and they're just panicking. And nobody like bulges eyes out or it's like nobody looks like an alien. It's purely psychological. It's purely just like the fallacy of man mm. causing horror. That's what that's kind of what <laughs> the Twilight Zone really taps into really well. I found that there was a disturbing lack of trans uh, representation in this episode. 
They, yeah. They do very little to extrapolate on what would happen if a, a trans man came across one of the um, one of the meteors. Meteor yeah, rides. they didn't represent all men. They should have had all men. Hashtag yeah. all men. Uh, so Jordan Peele, uh, I'm sorry, bud, but you're going to have to get one of these. Mm, peel right off. Nightmare on Mulberry Street. There it is. No, thank you, Ducky. Nightmare on Mulberry Street. Yeah, that's what it was. I knew it was a Nightmare on Elm Street because that's an actual... That's something that actually exists. That's actually a horror. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Sir Seat Sitter, for sending that in. It was hilarious. and It, it ostracized... <laughs> half of our listeners so thank you very much for that uh, I'm sure all of our female listeners are thrilled with this bit <laughs> yeah it's a nasty scheme uh, that's great uh, there was one additional comment that I had involving uh, Sir Sir Seat Sitter and when Carolyn Blaney joined him for his uh, one of his more recent episodes they brought up the movie Seven Psychopaths by Martin McDonnell. And I just wanted to quick say that's one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, mm. the, it's, it's great. Sam Rockwell, Christopher Walken, uh, Colin what is Farrell. It? Seven, psychos? Seven, seven Psychopaths. Woody Harrelson. Yeah. yeah, I've seen clips of it before, but I've never seen the whole thing. Um, but it's a... It was written by a playwright by the name of Martin McDonough, like I had just said. Um, and I have a, a little bit of a, a personal connection because way back in the day, in 2010, the very first uh, theatrical production I really assisted with was a show of his called The Pillow Man, and... Malachi was actually the lighting designer for it, so that was the the first time I had met Malachi was on that show, oh. um, which is a, a McDonough piece. Small world. If you ever get the chance to see Pillow Man anywhere, I would ten out of ten recommend. Not like the the Twilight Zone uh, season one episode seven ten out of ten, but like a like a real ten out of ten. I feel like I've seen Pillow Man. Uh, it's about a, uh, a an, uh, an author of short stories that often depict violence against children. He has been arrested by two detectives because some of his stories resemble recent child murders in the city. Uh, in the city, uh, and he hears his, that his brother has confessed to the murders, and uh, it's it's a it's a really dark, twisted oh. show. Okay, so I've heard of this show. I've never seen it. But I've I've definitely heard of the Pillow Man. Yep. Very famous play. Yeah, I think I want to say they did some uh, a shadow play, shadow puppetry, which is uh, I thought was I was really cool. You know, shadows yeah, can always be stuff. a lot of fun. Shadow shadow puppetry is fantastic. If it's done really well too, it's a, it's an ancient art. It's fantastic. No doubt. Uh, so cool. Do well, you? The New York uh, 2005 Booth Theater production had Billy Crudup and Jeff Goldblum as the stars. Oh, nice. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, sorry about that. What were we saying? 
Oh, that's all good. Um, so, do you want to hear? Uh, do you want to do a little uh, exploration in a metaverse commercial, or do you want to hear about my giant black rock? <laughs> <laughs> Tempting. I, I I've been hearing a lot about this metaverse thing. Hit me with the metaverse club. Alrighty, so there's a new metaverse commercial. Uh, I'm actually going to go ahead and drop that one in the chat room, in the green room. Um, okay. And uh, if you would like to check it out and sort of do a narration on what you're witnessing, that could be kind of cool. Uh, it's only, it's pretty short. It's only like a minute and some change, maybe a minute 20. Mm-hmm. Um, but to set it up, it takes place inside of an art gallery, and there are quite a few... Um, hidden occultic symbols within this commercial. Not that uh, anyone should be surprised. Mm, because uh, the, the fucking meta logo is the Ouroboros. Yes. Yes. The snake eating itself. With the infinity sign. And meta itself is uh, is Hebrew for some very bad word. What is the what is the word? Meta Hebrew. That I'm actually. Oh, it means dead. Whoa! <laughs> it's Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, alrighty then. There you go. <laughs> okay. Um, nice. We you. Uh, are you going to play the clip or are you not? Well, it, do we have to watch it? It's more of a visual thing, huh? It's more of a visual thing, but I can play one of the, um, let's see. Oh, so synchronistically enough, uh, there's only one, um, bit of, uh, speaking inside of this commercial and here it is. This is the dimension of imagination. Funny enough, he says this is the dimension of imagination, and that comes from the Twilight Zone, the original Rod Serling one. <laughs> Small world. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going through this uh, metaverse thing. All the um, the squares, or all the paintings are perfect squares, and everything's centered. Just the two on the outside and one on the in. It's got some ballistic uh, Temple of Solomon shit they always fucking reference. It's, it's great. Mm-hmm. It. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly enough, one of the other paintings referenced in, or not referenced, but shown inside of the gallery, uh, comes from a Swedish artist by the name of Hilma of Klint. Um, hmm. the, the painting is called Group X Number One. And it, uh, well, let me back up here. Uh, Clint was involved uh, in a group called the the Five, and it was a circle of women inspired by theosophy, and furthermore had shared beliefs of trying to contact the quote high masters through uh, through various methods. But I, I guess seances were more common. Quote, she became interested in theosophy of uh, uh, Madame Lavatsky and the philosophy of the Christian uh, Rosencruz. Rosicrucians? Yeah. Right, Rosicrucians, but I I don't think I know the pronunciation of Rosencruz. C-R-E-U-T-Z. 
Rosenkreutz. Rosenkreutz. Um, there was a 2016 article in The Guardian referenced, uh, in reference to Hilma. Uh, <laughs> the title was Hilma F. Clint's A Painter Possessed. And from the article, it was here in 1904 that Off Clint received a, quote, commission from an entity named Amaliel, who told her to paint on an astral plane and represent the immortal aspects of man. Between 1906 and 1915, there followed 193 paintings, an astonishing outpouring known as the Paintings for the Temple. Whatever mm. one's misgivings about the occult, she worked as if possessed, in the grip of what can only be described as inspiration. She explained that the pictures were painted through her with force, a divine dictation. I had no idea what they were supposed to depict. I worked swiftly, swiftly and surely without changing a single brushstroke. And here's a uh, image of the actual um, pyramid painting. It, it's cool. I, I like it a lot, actually. Um, send that one see on. This. Send that one on over. Ah, lovely. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's got all your chakra systems lined up with your with your Saturn symbology up there high up top. Mm -hmm. You know, you got your second sun with the with the outer ring. Yep, the false sun. I didn't actually think to count how many steps of the pyramids they were. I love how the um, the top of the pyramid, the very top the triangle of the pyramid, is like in the eye of the sun. Yeah, it's Just very. So uh, yeah, actually, it kind of looks like a uh, like a little mini pupil, and there's um, rays mm -hmm. of rainbow light emitting from the eye. Yeah, it looks like maybe Pac-Man with a tiny mouth is puking magic from the sky. <laughs> so uh, there's that painting, and next up is uh, there's a brief flash. Because um, what what happens is these group of students or uh, exhibitionists are checking out all this artwork and they see this tiger and buffalo which is a, another famous painting um come to life and they suck the group into the world of this painting which is supposed to be the metaverse and it's crazy kind of cartoonish um you know it's where imagination goes to die there's a an owl actually shows up and as it flies up above the canopy you get a shot of this uh, faraway distant land where we've got a sun, a moon, there's Saturn in the sky, um, some sort of futuristic city off in the distance, and another black square. So I would argue that there's actually two appearances of Saturn inside of this one particular shot. Hmm. No spooky. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, Saturn being Kronos, Capricorn, the Grim Reaper, Pan, Satan. Quote, indeed, Capricorn has always been a sign traditionally revered, feared, and made the scapegoat. In more or less uh, equal measure. <laughs> indeed. The goat. The MF goat. 
And um, I guess to kind of tie into that, there's some low-hanging snakes, which I thought was kind of easy bait, to be completely fair. Yeah, that's that's obviously out there for all the Christians to see. Right. So, uh, and Jews too, I suppose. It's Old Testament stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh that's sort of the weird oh, and then the video ends with the with the bull and the tiger kinda giving them giving them those uh fuck eyes almost, right? Yeah. There's a little a tiger and a bull like yeah, making love with their eyes to one another. And there's a caption over the video that says, This is gonna be fun. So creepy. So very super duper duper creepy. It is a little creepy. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Uh, yeah, the the paintings being a portal into a new dimension. And again, this is all advertising what? Facebook, Instagram. Just... It's such a, such a song and dance show, you know? Mm-hmm. Isn't their whole, I guess, base just kind of pivoting to be primarily meta-focused? Meta-focused as in what? Like, well, I thought they were changing the name of the company. and They are. They, they don't want to be associated with the actual site Facebook anymore because, truthfully, the site itself is dying. Nobody really uses it. I mean, except for older people, some people use it, but, you know, Facebook was never going to be something that people were going to use forever. I mean, people use it, I'm saying that, and I'm, an, I'm being an asshole, because there are obviously a shitload of people that are still on Facebook, but this company is so much more than that site now. They, they buy up everything that they can, just like fucking Microsoft did. I mean, they are just a... Another super hungry, super giant tech company that has the edge over other people. And we've talked about it in the past, they definitely have connections to intelligence agencies and QIntel and the FBI and, you know, it's it's always been a fucking shady company. Yeah, go out there and check out Project LifeLog. Hmm. Yep. Well, I guess nice. I got uh, one last quick story that we can probably hit here pretty quick. Uh, do you know anything about black diamonds? Um, no. I are they like is it, are they made in a lab? Is it like a carbon composition that makes them black? What's the deal with that? They are naturally occurring. However, they're uh, they're fairly rare. So more often than not, you're going to see the chemically treated ones or the, you know, like you said, the lab grown ones, or maybe it's a actual diamond that's got darker tones to it. But one popped up in the United Arab Emirates, and this one is a 555.55 black diamond, and it's going on for auction. It's a massive carat. Yes. Sorry. What did I say? You just said black diamond. Yes. You fine. just didn't say carrot. Yes. But just to clarify, it's carrot. Yeah. I'm actually not technically sure what a carrot is, but I think, what is that, just quality or 
it's a unit of measurement within uh, a gem. I don't know exactly how much, but a carrot is like an, an ounce. <laughs> oh, <know>? gotcha. <laughs> or like a fluid ounce in gem form. <laughs> this thing's pretty beefy. Um, here's my uh, first clip on it. I think it's a I could massive. be fucking wrong. I could be completely fucking wrong about that. I'm going to I'm going to Google that while you play the clip. Gotcha. It's a massive diamond that's literally out of this world and it's going up for auction. Sotheby's calls the 555.55 carat black diamond the Enigma and it is believed to have come from outer space. A jewelry specialist at Sotheby's Dubai told the Associated Press that carbonado diamonds likely come from meteorites either through a collision with the earth or from the meteorites themselves. The British auction house expects the diamond to be sold for close to $7 million. It's an expensive rock. Oh, yeah, seven mil for a rock. Just to clarify, a carrot is uh, defined as a unit of weight for precious stones and pearls equivalent to 200 milligrams. So it is a unit of, of mass. Gotcha. Let's see here. Sophie Stevens, a jewelry specialist at Sotheby's Dubai, told the Associated Press that the number five bears an importance, significance uh, to the diamond, which has 55 facets as well. The shape of the diamond is based on the Middle Eastern palm symbol for the uh, Kamsa, uh, K-H-A-M-S-A, which stands for strength and it stands for protection, she says. Uh, in Arabic, it means five, uh, Kamsa, that is. So, uh, quote, so there's this nice theme of the number five running throughout the diamond. Uh, she also said that the black diamond is likely from outer space, uh, which I have a couple of clips about that we'll get to here in a second. But I want to count these fives here real quick. So it's 555.55 carats, and it's got 55 facets on it. So that's seven fives. Mm-hmm. What is? Uh, with the Carbonado diamonds, we believe that they were formed through extraterrestrial origins, with meteorites colliding with the Earth and uh, either forming chemical vapor dispositions or indeed coming from the meteorite themselves. Uh, these are extremely rare and are found naturally only in Brazil and Central Africa. The cosmic origin theory is based on their carbon isotopes and high hydrogen contents. Hydrogen content. Wow. And they're only found in Brazil and Central Africa. Very, very interesting. Yeah, I think um, the one of the general accepted hypotheses is that there was a... Um, there was a large amount of these meteorites landing at the time when uh, Pangea still existed as one continent, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that happened to be where uh, Brazil and Central Af- Africa were, you know, butted up beside each other, and there was just this barrage of these black diamonds from space. Mm. I like that. I like that hypothesis. I was kind of thinking that when you're mentioning it, I just say, like, oh yeah, Brazil and. Central Africa, those are the two big puzzle pieces. Um, interesting. And only in these, in both of those areas are 
kind of jungle, tropical areas. Brazil is massive and it's all kinds of different stuff, but it is in a sort of a tropical zone. Mm. Uh, That's interesting. So I have uh, I have three more clips here about the black diamond specifically. Uh, carbonados can range anywhere from black to gray to pink to green, not just the the dark black like this one is. Uh, but they're also used in uh, black diamond jewelry. But because they are so rare, like we said, uh, darker or chemically treated diamonds are often substituted. Um, these black diamonds are still crystallized carbon, but instead of the typical patterns of regular diamonds with that rigid, you know, um, repeating pattern uh, and its uh, uniform structure, carbonados are arranged in a randomized structure and they. They reference in this specific clip, this one coming up, they give the carbonados a really cool name. Carbonados, though made of diamond, are a little different from the ones you might be picturing. They're crystallized carbon, so they still fall into the diamond family, but instead of tight, continuous, uniform crystals like most diamonds, they're aggregates of a bunch of randomly arranged microcrystals. This arrangement makes carbonados something geologists refer to as a xenomorph. In part, this means that carbonados are more porous than single crystal diamonds. But this weird, one might even say alien, crystal structure also makes carbonados extra useful for industrial purposes. How cool is it that they call these xenomorphs? <laughs> xenomorphs. <laughs> Xenomorph rock. <laughs> na, 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 na. <laughs> Xenomorph. That's a good band name. That's a good band name as well. Xenomorph tour. Yeah, saying that they, they were formed elsewhere and brought here. The xenomorph. That's funny. Um, so my second clip here gets into a little more of the actual practical industrial uses for black diamonds or carbonados. Um, now, diamonds are really hard, making them suitable for cutting, but carbonados have an advantage when it comes to cutting and drilling. Since they're aggregates, rather than uniform crystals, any break will be confined to that single piece and not spread throughout. This makes carbonados as hard as diamonds, but much tougher. Hardness is a material's ability to withstand abrasion, and here, carbonados match your typical diamond. Toughness, on the other hand, is how well a material resists shattering when force is applied, and that's where carbonados come out on top. Thus, they allow cutting and drilling tools to last longer and require less maintenance over time. But the main reason Oop, I fucked up there. Oh, okay, I get you. I'm there. I, I like that. That's very interesting. So, yeah. something about the, the the black diamond just isn't uniform all the way through in the way that a, your standard diamond is. Right, and because it's it's got such its pattern, I guess the actual force is routed in all sorts of crazy ways, and it just dissipate. The, the dissipates the fuck out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Hard versus tough. <laughs> um, yeah, yes. Um, t- toughness is an interesting label for it. And uh, my last clip here gets into a little bit of the, uh, the space nature. I mean, we already kind of touched on the um, Pangea, element but they do this thing at the end and it's like well you know we know you have questions but well sorry that's not the right way to phrase it well we can talk about it after you hear it 
The majority of ordinary diamonds form in the intense heat and pressure of the Earth's mantle before eventually being blasted to the surface by volcanoes and encased in rocks with characteristic mantle minerals. But that doesn't seem to be the case with carbonados. They're not found in mantle rocks, and tend to include metals in their structure that wouldn't make sense if they formed in the mantle. Theories for how carbonados form include the heat and pressure of meteorite impacts, or possibly even radiation transforming carbon in the mantle. However, neither method produces diamonds large or numerous enough to account for existing carbonados. Another contender is subduction zones, boundaries where tectonic plates collide and get shoved down into the mantle. The pressure and heat of this process would be plenty sufficient, but again, we should find mantle minerals present alongside carbonados. All this leads scientists to suspect that carbonados must come from interstellar space. The crystals could form out there in some distant, carbon-rich spot in the absence of Earth mantle minerals, and then get deposited here via asteroid. Plus, the space option could easily account for those head-scratching metal inclusions. Furthermore, carbonados are only found in Brazil and the Central African Republic, which could be explained by an intense barrage of space rocks back when Africa and South America were part of the same supercontinent. All of this makes carbonados one of the few geological phenomena where the most likely explanation invokes outer space. Because once you've eliminated the impossible, well, you know. You know what? No, I don't know. <laughs> that that's once you've eliminated the impossible, then the improbable is inevitable, or something. That's a Sherlock Holmes quote. Oh, I gotcha. Well, thank um, you for clarifying. Yeah, that guy's a douche for not fucking. <laughs> okay, yeah, we all know Doyle, bro. Fuck off. Anyway, um, I got one question for him. Are you the science one? <laughs> uh, you know. Sorry, I didn't mean to de derail you there. Uh, I didn't mean to derail you either. I was thinking when I was listening to it, for some reason I was thinking of diamond asteroids or diamond, like, uh, yeah, diamond asteroids outside in, in some solar system where the sun blew up and there was a supernova. And the and these, these like, uh, asteroids of diamond, they get, you know, fucked up by the supernova and then they get propelled out and become meteors and then get projected throughout the universe. I don't know. That that was one I I have no nothing to go on. <laughs> nothing to go on. It's just I was just thinking of ways that these black diamonds could be made. Do you think that these black diamonds landed on planet Earth and turned all of the male dinosaurs into raging douche dicks? <laughs> I think you turn them into uh, into gasoline. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any good dinosaur uh, ISOs, unfortunately. Should fix that. Oh, we will. There's plenty of dino good stuff out there. Uh, that's beautiful. Uh, that uh, does it for my black rocks. Um, I'm checking the screen mails now, and it doesn't seem that we have any. Well, we we went on a little too late tonight. Everybody's already in bed. That's all good. We'll catch everybody next week at this, uh, well, not this same time as tonight, but uh, typically 7.30 Pacific, 9.30 Central, 10.30 the East Coast, or East Coast, or Beast Coast. Yeah, East Coast. <laughs> East Coast. <laughs> Uh, yee yee coast <laughs> yee yee
<laughs> oh yeah, Yay's on back on the scene. But yeah, we are. We're live every Monday night at uh, seven thirty, nine thirty, ten thirty. We'll be here next Monday night. Mm, and call that phone number six one two two six three seven nine nine nine. That's S X X Y. Running a porn site on our show here. Not a peep show. <laughs> I, gotta, <laughs> I gotta catch that in the wild now. Not a peep show. Not a peep show. Not uh, not for kids. That's a fun fucking fact. All right, well let's uh, let's get out of here then. Got it. I think a 555.55 carat diamond would look cool with all these other rocks. I definitely want to have it as like a big chain or a giant, giant ring. Mmm. Just punch somebody with my indestructible black diamond from space. <laughs> Dude, it's a, it's a belt buckle. <laughs> it's the ultimate belt buckle. Stop a bullet. <laughs> You know, I turned the dinosaurs into dick gas with this, right? <laughs> <laughs> dick gas? Right, you shouldn't because, have. Because they <laughs> dick gas, I barely know them. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, try not to be an unsufferable asshole. Until next time, I'll be Blueberry Black Knight of the Mothman. Yeah, and until that tragic day, I will also be lavish. This show is behind the schemes. Behind the schemes with threes as ease. Hey, man, I touched the monkey. Let's go look for it. Lavash, of course, is short for Leviticus. Oh my goodness! Ah! This is getting worse! Gotta sop up all that blood! Now I am the science one! We're going to eat people whether you like it or not. There's no rest for the wicked. Behind the schemes, the esoterica of your dreams. <laughs>